more weaker than's era, but he's a bright guy who loves music. What kind of music are you listening to right now, Murata Tesh from The Athletic? You know what? I appreciate the Winnipeg lead-in and the Weaker Thans by all means. One of the, the great storytelling bands of, of a good Winnipeg culture. Um, other than that, I've got what I call my sad dad rock, like the <laughs> National and uh, and music like that. Um, and the other day I heard a four-year-old play an old Fred Penner tune, which really moved me. So I'm into that too. Love it. I spent uh, probably five years of my life listening to Fred Penner sing What a Day. And I, I, I would, I, I would sing "What a Day," but not the way Fred said it. Mine was more frustration with my children not getting off of that damn record that they loved so much. But uh, <laughs> Fred yeah, it takes some getting used to. Yeah, really. Fred Penner was very entertaining, though. They, we saw him three or four times when the kids were young, and uh, outstanding artists. Okay, so speaking of outstanding artists, uh, one of the things I love about Winnipeg is that it does seem to be the kind of city where. Everybody rallies around to try to make it better. And I'm talking about Mark Chipman, who um, True North has the team. They worked at saving the other team. His, his, um, his work on keeping the Jets in Winnipeg and then bringing them back has been exemplary. And the article from Chris Johnson at The Athletic has him making phone calls to those who allowed their season tickets to lapse. I like the story because it's, it is sort of a, you know, a, a, a Canadian story where the owner gets on the horn with people in the community. But it also does kind of drive home the point that Winnipeg is a, not a massive market. Those tickets are expensive and the pull in terms of economy out of the market is real. And sometimes people are going to let those things lapse. Yeah, all of those are real concerns. And I think there's like a community spirit in Winnipeg where you sort of need to lift everybody up. If there's a good musician, you go to their shows. If there's, you know, a good filmmaker, you go see what they've been working on. In the business community, it's no different. And I think Edmonton fans would relate to that. It's a real community-driven place. Um, It also means, though, when you're the Winnipeg Jets, you have the second smallest arena in the league. The smallest one is a college rink. Um, you have the third lowest capacity sales so far this year at 87% of the building that they're filling at home games. And the economic realities that are hitting everybody are a little bit more pronounced, I think, in Winnipeg, where fewer corporate seats get bought. It's always been about groups of people buying um, group ticket memberships. And the metro area is almost as small as it gets in the NHL, if not the smallest as well. So when life gets tough and things, these challenges form, it really is about the real people and not always the businesses and bigwigs that have real-life decisions to make about buying tickets or not. And Winnipeg has been in a little bit of a lull for the last couple of seasons. And it's ironic in that, um, <clears throat> how do I put this, I, I – I think that, that a year ago, like in the off-season, I, I had, and I shouldn't have because it's not nice to feel sorry for, you know, teams or people, but I did feel kind of sorry because it looked like, you know, PLD was going to lo- leave uh, Connor Hallebach. You didn't know about the rest of the roster where they were going to have to, you know, re reload. And, it, I mean, they came out of that, I think, brilliantly. The trade, PLD trade turned out well. They signed Hallebach. They got, you know, everybody back. And this team looks as good as any right now. Maybe they're not talked about as much as the Oilers, but you know they, they're they're really good. They could win the Stanley Cup, and yet there's a drag there. And and I 
I hope it doesn't become a big story, although it already is, because I, I think that the the goal of the organization was to win a Stanley Cup, and they might be close, and I don't want people to forget about that. Yeah, it's as close as perhaps at any time in, in Jets history, which is, you know, no disservice intended to the Dale Howarchuk era, but we remember how good Edmonton and, and Calgary to a lesser degree were at that time. That's a very real consideration. Winnipeg more recently in 2018, they go to the Western Conference Final. They haven't been back that that far since, but this team is tracking point for point, game for game closely with that 2018 team. And that's that is getting a little bit lost. One of the reasons, though, I think is just like you said about heading into last summer, that offseason was a bit of it was known for a couple of years as an upcoming inflection point for the Jets. They could have lost Mark Shifley. They could have been forced to trade Connor Hellebuck. They could have done worse than they did with that Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, and certainly they did buy out their former captain and Blake Wheeler. That was um, a bit of a crisis moment that they've navigated well through. In the seasons before that, though, they also had some turmoil. Paul Maurice steps down before that Dustin Bufflin had left. There was some middling results. At one point, Paul Stastny is saying the team isn't playing for each other. And one of the, and the reason I bring this up is because whenever you'd hear, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff or whomever speak to the issues around the team, they would try to sort of paint that as, as normal. And how, we, of course, every, every frustrated team outside of the playoffs right now is having tough conversations. Meanwhile, they seemed, the players seemed to be saying nobody was pulling on the same rope and they needed major changes. I think one of the factors, it's, and it's not the primary economic driver, but one of the factors that impacts ticket sales is the storyline that fans get to buy into. And for a little minute there, it was a zigzag of a storyline. They weren't on the rise. They weren't on the decline. And whenever the Jets took the opportunity to speak, they didn't seem to be acknowledging the very real issues that they had in front of them. So now they're winning. They're doing well. Shovel Day Off's moves have been excellent. I think there's going to be just a little bit of a lag between this quality and the building filling back up. Yeah. Uh, you know they should have started Essence in Game 7 and 90, right? <laughs> I mean, against Bill Ranford, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, how's my son Logan Stanley doing? He's gotten into some games since we spoke last. And, you know, I was talking to him because he's a lightning rod around here. You know, the Jets traded up to to pick him. Um, they traded up in the first round to pick him. They've protected him over other players. He's an investment for them. And... Some fans love him at six foot seven. They see a guy that moves as well as he does, and they say, "Okay, well, this is a bit of a unicorn of a player. He moves that well. He's that big. Um, this is a top four stalwart of the future." Others just see the opportunity costs paid for him, or the the cost of acquisition, and all of that. He tells me, "I got off Twitter a long time ago, <laughs> and so we got to have a real honest conversation about what's going on in his world." He was rusty in the first of three games he played about a week ago. He admits that. He felt like the game was awfully quick. But he's been getting better and better and looks like he'll be a solid piece if the Jets need to go to him in the playoffs. You know, as as teams do, defense is often worn down by attrition. He looks like a guy who can step in and, and not burn them and, and actually offer a little bit of pop. I can tell you, I, 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 I know for a fact, I didn't know on draft day, but I know for a fact in talking to people afterward, if they hadn't taken Logan Stanley, he would not have gotten to the orders at 32. And I know if the orders, just because of the way they draft, 
they would have loved Logan Stanley. They, there's no way that guy gets out of the first round. So, I mean, I don't know if that helps Jets fans, but uh, he was <laughs> he was a wildly popular player on draft day that year. There's no doubt about it. There's risks that you sort of understand why teams would take. Like mm-hmm. sometimes there'll be a small player who puts up a ton of points and you're thinking, well, if they do make it, it's going to be a big hit. Like if it does work out, there's a chance that this player is uh, I don't Martin St. Louis just came to my mind as an, as an example. Um, whereas Logan Stanley, okay. You know, he might not have had the offensive numbers in junior that you look for from a defenseman that'll play in the top four someday, but with his physical package, if he, if he hits, if he becomes a regular in the top four and he figures out the rest of those sorts of things, I can understand a lot of teams going, well, hey, that version of this player could be exceptional. I understand the reach. Uh, you, I love reading your stuff because you, you use logic and reason, and, and I don't have either of that, and so I really like it when I see it in print elsewhere. But you've talked a lot about Dylan DeMello. I remember you talking about him when he was just kind of emerging as a player, uh, and and over time he's definitely you know, become more of, you know, more important to this team, but looking at him this year and looking at the Jets defense and how well they played and, and what's going right for them, you know, he's got a 65% goal share at five on five and Morrissey's at at 64%. Uh, Sandberg is 68%. Is, is this just a matter of team defense or, or, you know, is a guy like Morrissey just driving driving the results so much that he's lifting up all boats. You know, I would have to say a little bit of, of all of those things. If if I could build the pie chart, there'd be a piece for, for everything you just said. Josh Morrissey, he isn't on pace to hit the 76 points that he did a year ago, but he is still an exceptional play driver and he's jumping into the play and he's creating opportunities and defending well, um, more offensive excellence than defensive, but still he's a good defender. Dylan DeMello has been, uh, has had the best chemistry, I think, with Morrissey that we've seen in Winnipeg since Morrissey was playing with Jacob Truba as a relatively young player or even Dustin Bufflin before that. It seems like DeMello knows exactly how to make the quick, clean retrieval turn and make that five-foot pass that puts Morrissey in stride or breaks the puck up ice. One of those little things, guys. People talk about shot blocks as the little things or, or big hits at timely moments, but Dylan DeMello's little things that add up are those short passes that just get Winnipeg moving north. And I think that adds up to good chemistry with Morrissey, who's probably driving the pairing, let's be honest. But also, his results are always going to be good because he helps the team get out of its zone cleanly. I don't know whether I like Morrissey solo or with the Smiths, but either way, on the Winnipeg Jets, he plays very, very well. What about the deadline? What are we looking at for the Jets, uh, Murat, at the deadline uh, that you're hearing about or you think that they should do? Well, I think Winnipeg really wanted to upgrade at, at center, and they got that done with Sean Monahan. It was a frenetic week here in Winnipeg because I think the Jets were one of the many teams interested in Elias Lindholm out in Calgary before he was traded. They pivoted. They got Sean Monahan. It appears to make Winnipeg's forward group a deep 12. Every line has a purpose and a role. And that would seem to mean that Winnipeg just needs a little bit of help on defense. Maybe the, a six, seven, eight type of guy like Ilya Libushkin out of Anaheim, a little bit of grit. Um, but I actually, I look down at, at Chris Tanev in Calgary and just the way that he plays in a top four role, defense first. And I think that would be a heck of an upgrade for the Jets. Uh, it, it might lighten the load from Neil Pionk, who struggled a little bit on that second pair uh, of late, though he's still a quality player. 
that's a nice lane. The other thing is since since Winnipeg got all of its ducks in a row and everybody's healthy and Monaghan's in, their lines are still looking for chemistry. And if they if they could add a forward that just fits well, um, there there's a chance that they're not done on that front either. I see that the NHL general managers are finally on to my plan, which is to try to get every guy that the Winnipeg Jets put on waivers, pick him up because they've got a great talent pool. I think the latest was Declan Chisholm. But, it, it you know, that uh, I read the other day somebody saying that Sheveldayoff's got to go. And I'm like, why? Because even though there, there are mistakes that are made, I think the Jets are doing exactly what you have to do in Winnipeg, which is procure, draft, and develop players and don't be afraid to take risk, but also make sure it's worth it. They've done a hell of a job, I think. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, he's on a hot streak. If, G- if we can give GMs credits for, for hot streaks and cold streaks and that, I mean, since roughly 2022, he trades Andrew Kopp, and Andrew Kopp's a pending free agent at that time. He's not going to re-sign in Winnipeg to New York for a package that ends up getting Brad Lambert, Morgan Barron, who's a, a consistent player uh, on the Jets right now, a draft pick which becomes one of their top prospects, Elias Salmonson. Uh, there's an incredible package that comes back for that trade. You take it through the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade you mentioned, acquiring Niederreiter and Nemestikov last year at this time. They were great fits. Monaghan looks like a good fit. He's doing a lot of things well. And if you look at you know a top 20 Jets prospects list that I would have written three or four years ago, you would see Logan Stanley on it, and you'd be happy about that. You'd also see Declan Chisholm, who's playing for Minnesota. He scored his first NHL goal recently. Jonathan Kovacevic, who's playing in Montreal, uh, has good metrics on their third pair. Ville Hainala, who's still bubbling under in Winnipeg. They don't hit every single time, and I think that's a natural process with these prospects. I think some of it uh, ends up dying on the vine a little bit, but if you're looking at how well the Winnipeg Jets are doing and you're asking, well, how did they get to this? Kevin Sheveldayoff's a big, big part of that. Yeah, and he does not trade too many. He has traded some, but not too many. Murat, thank you. Appreciate it very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, Murat Atesh from 